You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Antler Up podcast brought to you by Tethered, the world's best saddle hunting equipment, and we have a fun show for you all today. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Antler Up Podcast. We're on episode 194, and on this week's episode, I was joined by PA native and good friend of mine, Chris Wiest. Over the last couple years, Chris has really dialed in his hunting strategies that has led to more encounters and more success. Chris, for example, was successful last year killing four bucks in three different states, all with different strategies and tactics. As hunters, we try our best to put in the work to scout and make up the best game plan we can to find success. Well, sit back, enjoy this episode as Chris shares tactics, stories, and scenarios that will help you in these upcoming weeks. We begin this episode by hearing Chris share the importance of postseason scouting that helps guide his decisions for the upcoming season. He uses his time scouting to get an understanding of the woods and how deer in that area specifically use that terrain. Chris keeps tabs on the data he collects during the postseason as well as during the season, especially when it comes to using trail cameras. This allows him to map out where and when to hunt. We discussed the critical component of access and plans for really hunting specific spots during specific times this fall. You'll hear a ton of information when it comes to scrapes, strategy, stories, and scenarios with that. And listen, Now's the time to get ready for it because it's coming up. So hopefully you'll be able to relate and implement these tactics this upcoming month. Enjoy this fun episode. We'll see you next week. Antler up. Tethered is a team of saddle hunting fanatics with a passionate addiction to whitetail hunting. Designing and engineering products to be a more efficient and confident hunter, Tethered produces the most mobile, stealthy, and safest elevated hunting gear on the planet. Built by saddle hunters for the saddle hunter. Head over to tethernation.com to see for yourself what exactly I'm talking about. America's Best Bowstrings has been manufacturing high-quality custom bowstrings in the USA since 2006. America's Best Bowstrings strives on the commitment to never end the search for perfection, and this has been the driving force behind the company. Innovative products for every archer out there. Go create a custom set today at americasbestbowstrings.com. And a special code is made for our listeners of the Antler Up podcast for America's Best Bowstrings. Use code ANTLERUP and you will save $10 off your order. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that saves the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. 
You have deer prediction, journaling, and the best maps on any hunting app platform there is. Use code ANTLERUP to save 20% off your Spartan Forge membership at SpartanForge.ai. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to this week's episode. I'm joined by a good buddy of mine. Had him on the podcast this past summer. We got Chris Wiest. Chris, welcome back to the show. Hey, man. Glad to be here. Oh, man. I'm trying to kiss a deer over... uh ever talk i know <laughs> dude i'll tell you what it was awesome number one having you on getting it getting a chance to listen to you listen to some of the tactics that you're that you uh, are implying and applying to your strategies and everything like that but also get to know you a little bit more as a person and the one aspect of of this that uh is really enjoyable for me is getting a chance to really know people more so on a personal level not just for an hour and a half of doing the podcasting and i love that you and I have a ton of things in common, uh, even outside of the hunting thing. And so we stayed in touch. And uh, I, I know the other day you shared a, some really cool photos uh, of some really great bucks with me. And I, man, I was like, dang, dude, good for you. Like you just, you put in the work and if nothing else fails, man, you're just continuously growing as a hunter, as a woodsman. And, and if, and man, good things are, are on the horizon for you. And I'm pumped to see what uh, this, this season has in store for you. And, to pick up kind of where we left off from last conversation. Yeah, definitely got some, uh, got some good ones on camera. Like I said, such as some pictures there. And I think that all just, that all comes from the, the postseason work, man. The postseason stuff for me, even this year, I really saw the impact that really plays, you know, I, I knew four or five years ago when things took when I started taking this a lot more serious, if that makes sense, I would get out here and there and, and do things because, you know, you hear about it and you pick things up along the way with certain hunters and certain friends and individuals, and you just want to get better. Right. And so you're, you're out there learning things. Mm -hmm. And like I've said it too many times, I guess on the podcast, but man, I'll tell you what this past spring without with having more time free to get out there. And I'm not even talking, and this is, I think, a good thing to, to share, is there, us as individuals have different lives, right? You're like your schedule might, might allow you to go out every other day after work. It might allow you to go every day after work or before work, whatever it applies, right? For some indiv individuals, it's, man, it's only every Saturday that I could go or one day a week uh, during the week and one day over the, the weekend type of ordeal. And it's just for a couple, couple hours. But what I've noticed this past year and as far as like my confidence goes, as far as what cameras have told me, uh, I, I would even say even going back to last year of putting in a little bit more time during the summer and then, you know, obviously hunting last season and then this past postseason really starting early, I would say in that February time frame and working my way all the way up until hunting season, it's really paid dividends in learning terrain features, learning uh, about way uh, wind mapping actually works and, and how to go about doing that. And I just feel like those are little things that you might skip over because you're quote unquote speed scouting, right? You're looking for a sign instead of really mm -hmm. diving into breaking a piece down instead of just marking random, uh, you know, waypoints on whatever platform you're using. So I think for me, man, this year I'm, I'm really excited about because I feel a little bit more confident. So even if I don't shoot a deer, or it's taking me, it takes me a while. I feel more confident 
going into the rut to be able to locate and put myself in the game rather than just throwing a, a dart at the board and figuring out like, hopefully this works today. You know what I'm saying? And, and, you know, like you said, going from what you've already have on camera and developing this game plan. And that's what we'll really dive into is how using all this information and the things that where you've put yourself postseason summer that will allow you to make these good possible, uh, you know, data slash, you know, in the field boots on the ground decisions to hunt you know, I think it's important that no matter what you could do to get out there, just get out there. If it's that three hours a week, go for it. I think no matter what, it will help you. Because going back to when I did not do it as much, man, I felt lost. And, and you know, and and you could really see how much it really does help. Yeah, definitely. And then I think now, especially guys coming up, when you're young in your 20s and your high teens, now is the time to take in all this information you can get off of the Internet now. Mm-hmm. really build up that resume, put all the boots on the ground that you can get all these spots, fine tune, figure out what these, what these uh, deer are doing, how they're using terrain. And then later, later in your thirties, early forties, you know, if you have kids, important things going on, you have all that data, all that stuff written down, that notebook, uh, a playbook, uh, if you want to call it. And you don't have to do as, as much as that scouting, you know, you already have that resume. You can say, Hey, I don't have as much time this year. I have all this data in this book and you can go right back to that and be a lot more efficient later in life too. Mm-hmm. Dude, total like out non hunting, but even as a teacher, I love the fact that whatever platform we use as a te- for teaching things archive. So I could look back if I'm doing whatever lesson or whatever activity or map out my next couple weeks. If I'm planning, I could go back to that archive class and look at it and be like, Oh yeah, that's the one activity I was thinking about in my head and go back to it. It's there. So it's that same principle principles are applied to that hunting thing, right? You've gone through those things Mm -hmm. you've, you've scouted. Like you said, you're, you're writing things down. You could go back to it. So to have it, I think really does play a role uh, in, in your success and, and being able to, you know, grow and, and develop. Cause heck you could look at it and be like, okay, I was here X amount of times. It wasn't good there. Okay. Well don't go back to that spot. Right. At that certain time, like, you know, yeah, yeah. now, now you know how to read certain things and, and figure things out a little bit better. Yeah. And especially nowadays, I know everybody is only up and up with their technology and they have Excel spreadsheets and, and your Google drive and all that. But I'm telling you, write it down, mm-hmm. get it. You know, you, you'll never lose that. You always have that shit. Technology is such a fluke, you know, in, in the grand scheme of things, because you never know what all that stuff could be taken from you right? or you lose it and it's gone forever. So write these things down. Yeah, I agree. I love writing things down. And for me, the way my brain works, writing it down also is like, it's taking that extra step of not only just leaving it in my brain. I'm also now writing it. So I'm saying it and, and it's just another learning aspect where it helps me just because mm-hmm. the way I learn and everything like that. So, um, all right, Chris, so seasons upon us last time we really kind of broke down what you were doing in July, August, and like what you would be really gearing up for as far as September goes. And we're here. How are things mapping out for you right now? Uh, right now, uh, really good. I got a really good inventory. Uh, of bucks to chase uh, the whole way across the board and <clears throat> looking into the season, you know, I, I'm going to go down to Maryland this weekend one more time. And I got, uh, 
I got one spot that I want to just touch up on. Uh, it's a morning set. Uh, like we could get on a rabbit hole with the reason why I'm going to, to that specific spot. But uh, right now I have a uh, four four cameras out uh, in Maryland, and I have one SD card camera where I I know they're feeding at. Mm-hmm. I have a cell camera where they're entering that feeding area, and then I have a cell camera where they're going back to bed. And right now they're just I mean it's it's showing up on par every almost every single day. And basically, I just, I'm just going down to touch up on a uh, secondary morning spot, which it's a spot where I'm not going to go in and bust deer. But if I'm running low on time in a morning set, it's a spot that's a little bit closer to the road, but I still have that chance to catch one of those bucks there because I know historically that they use that area. So I want to touch that up so I have that because I want to be able to spend uh, my, I would say my high-priority time in that high priority spot on like a weekend or yeah. a day that I have X amount of time to be there and not rush it and, and blow the spot up. So early season, and we might've touched upon it last time, but you know, the, the way the terrain and just the foliage is, I mean, it really could play a part in where you're hunting because of thermals and just the way the wind is carrying, not carrying because of, of what is on the trees compared to other locations. And with your experience of hunting Maryland, you know, what, like you were just saying, you could go down a rabbit hole of, of that spot and everything like that. You, you said a key word that I know a lot of people kind of shy away from, and that is hunting the morning. What What's kind of that reasoning behind that? If I have time to hunt, I'm probably going to be in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think, um, I know a couple other guys like this. I think if you have, uh, a, you know, what, one big thing is it's just the public ground. Yep. Uh, I can't afford to say, Hey, I'm going to let this spot set for a week and a half before I start hunting it. If I don't get in there and, and, and kill one of these bucks, you know, the chances are small because I know the area, but what if somebody else barges in? Yeah. But then you just wasted all that energy through the summer scouting it for, for nothing, really, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what uh, what were some of the key things, like, with this spot that you're really honing in on? Like, you have your cameras, you said, in, like, four different spots, and, you know, what what kind of – what made you giddy about about this area that – and now, obviously, knowing what you have on camera, um, whether it is a uh, travel route, like, are you coming up with a game plan to – you know, be in that vicinity, hunt over that, that area. And how, how are those scrapes even early season coming into play for you? Okay. So, uh, this is probably the one spot where I don't see many scrapes. Mm. It's because it's like some big mountain terrain. And a lot of times I don't see that, but, but sometimes you can find licking branches on those big mountain sides like that. Just a, uh, a spot where a lot of deer congregate and they just, they just all stop and hit that same branch. Yep. So a lot of times you can find those. Um, now I take that back. There is one scrape. Um, so, uh, just a grand scheme of things how this sets up is I've said this before on other podcasts, you know, you got this clear cut on top of the mountain. Uh, these it's a West facing slope is uh, the side of the deer bedding on. So it's kind of working in reverse from what, uh, the norm is instead of, a deer coming from the top to the bottom of the feed. They're coming from the bottom to the top of the feed. Right. And really, for me, uh, last year when I killed my buck in that area, I just had an idea of where the deer were coming from to a specific tree that was dropping acorns. I set up on that off wind. 
So the, my wind was blowing towards the bedding area, but I hadn't made it to the bedding area yet. My wind's blow to it. I was just off of it, so I was blowing off the side, and that's how I killed that deer. Now this year, I really went in and fine-tuned my uh, scouting in the summer to figure out where these bucks were coming in, going to specifically into the cut. Right. And one thing that I noticed, one thing I found was the lack of water. Well, on the side of this uh, real steep mountainside, I found like a, a wallow or a, uh, a natural spring that comes out. There's not always water in it, but it's always muddy. And right below that, I found a, I found a big scrape. Um, I found that actually last right the season when I was doing some, some stalking, I found this and I knew, I knew hundred percent that I had to come back to this because that was the only water that was, I would say relevant to that clear cut. So I went in, slapped a couple SD cards up in this clear cut. I put a cell camera on an interest trail, um, in line with that water. And then I went down and I have two cameras set up on this uh, water source and let me tell you, man, it's they're following it to a T. Uh, there's like a little micro point right off to the side of this. And I think that there's a bunch of bedding right around that little micro point. And they come down in the morning. I get them in the morning hitting that water. I'll get them at 5 o'clock in the afternoon hitting it again. And I'll get them at 6 going into the cut. So That's pretty good. How's that entry? How are you accessing like that that spot to really make sure you're not busting anything out? Mm -hmm. So in the evenings, uh, I'm going to start obviously in the cut and basically what I'm doing there is I noticed where some deer had been coming into that clear cut specifically the first week that I had hunted there last year. And that lines up right with this cell camera that I have that these bucks are coming into the cut. Right. And all I'm doing is I went in and I glassed the, the acorns, uh, on those reds and whites. And I noticed that there's hardly any whites in that cut. I think the early frost really killed off a lot of the whites and their cherries in general. Okay. But these reds are looking really heavy. And basically, I'm sneaking in on that off wind again. I'm going to be off to the side, and I'm going to loop in, and I'm going to hunt that very first oak tree that they, they make it to when they come in that cut. And on top of that, a key feature to this is this tree isn't on the very top. So here's the top of your mountain. It's just down over that military crest. And it almost probably 30 yards off of where the timber line starts. So it's going to be that first tree that that buck creeps into, yep. but he's still on the back side of the top. So he's going to feel more comfortable on that military crest. And as far as the, uh, <clears throat> as far as the mornings, there's a, a log trail system that runs, um, just out off the top to that. That's my second day in morning spot. I had an encounter with a buck there last year in the morning. I was just set up completely wrong for it. And, but I seen how the deer entered. So I actually went in there and I have a big mock scrape set up on that log road mm -hmm. and I don't have a camera on it. I have a bit back to it. I did that in like July and that's where I'm going to go to this weekend. I'm going to pop up an SD card just to let me know what's been coming through and I'm going to freshen up that scrape. But the tricky thing is in the mornings to get to this uh, water wallow is I'm going to have to access from the bottom and from like a mile off the road. So it's a little bit of a walk to get in. It's probably like a mile and a half or something like that. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty steep to get up to where the water is. But um, I'm just going to get up underneath out that ditch system, uh, try to put myself in a position where, you know, I could shoot the water and I could shoot the old scrape that was there. And then I'm just going to let the deer filter back down off the clear cut to me 
on that west side with my thermos pulling down. Take the guesswork out of building your own arrows for this upcoming season by ordering a custom set of arrows from Exodus Outdoor Gear. They have developed and sourced literally the most precise archery components on earth to build a tailored arrow for your hunting adventures. Just head over to Exodus's website and plug in your specifications in the arrow builder and have your custom set sent straight to your door. You have two arrows to choose from, one being the MMT arrow, which is a 246 diameter shaft, and the new NIS, which is a 204 diameter shaft arrow. Use code AU to save 15% off your tailored arrow order at exodusoutdoorgear.com. Right. So here's a, a basic question. When it comes to those early season hunts, the the morning hunts, you know, at what point do you get down to go out and scout around towards that that evening area because you know you might have like you just said you have a you have a game plan you have an idea of where you're going and how the deer are maneuvering around so you probably have a good grasp of okay at this point in time man the bucks that maybe i i've been getting on camera may not be here at this location today or at this point or whatever and and you feel confident enough to get down to go maneuver and go scout towards the for the evening, basically. Or you, you're heading back just to get a quick drink, get the supplies you need. So then that way at whatever time, 1 o'clock, you're going to go check some cameras and get ready for the evening hunt. Is there like when when what what's your feeling like when you're up there in the tree and you're like, OK, now I feel OK to get down. Um, are you just looking for like a specific time? Yeah. Or like what, I mean, it doesn't necessarily need to be a specific time just cause I know some, I mean, I know some people are like, yep, nine o'clock I'm down. Right. You know, you, you hear people okay. and I just feel like for me, my, my goal going into it for this year is not necessarily to have that, that time frame. Like I, I almost want to just go off of my gut. If it's 1145, if it's 1245, I, I, for me, I honestly want to spend more time hunting than anything else. Right. Especially for those times. And I know there's going to be a time where, okay, let, let's move. I, because it, this isn't the setup for an evening. This is like you said, this will be a good morning setup basically along those lines. So when, when you think your morning setup runs one runs dry, when are you getting down and like, are you going straight to, to scout? Are you going, you know, right towards the, the, that evening sit location? All right, so uh, this is going to be depending, and I'll try not to, to talk a circle around this. Uh, I had some caffeine this morning, so I'm probably talking really fast. No, you're good, man. <laughs> so uh, so uh, what I am going to do versus what I would do uh, depends on if I know I'm in the game or not. So let's okay. say uh, I head to Maryland, and right now I know I know these bucks are here. I know they're in the area. I, even if I have to shift, it's not going to be much because I know what they're doing because of historical data. So my plan is every morning spot is going to get at least three days, three morning sits, and and preferably in a row. And I think it's just because, you know, I get these bucks on camera pretty often, but it's not every single day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they might just take – uh, on an off trail one, one morning and they don't make it to you, but they're just above you. You know what I mean? You just have to give it time. Right. You know, the deer there, you spend your time there. Now, if 
I was walking into a piece that I didn't know a lot about and I was setting up uh, in a morning set. It's going to depend on the, on the sign that I see. If it's really, really hot stuff, I'm probably going to give it two days. If it's an area I'm unfamiliar with, if it's an area that just looks okay and I don't see nothing the first morning, I'm probably getting down at like nine o'clock and I'm probably going to start tiptoeing around trying to find something better. Yeah. All right. I like that answer. All right, man. So early season, we kind of talked a little bit about that. Your, your first hunt. Then we're, we're, we're diving into more so of that, that end of September. What's, uh, what's the rest of the month looking like f- for you as, as far as your hunts lined up? PA, I know Ohio. Uh, I think Ohio is, are they the week prior to statewide for Pennsylvania this year? Or is it the same, same, same I've weekend? I've talked to a bunch of guys about this already. Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia are all on the same day this year. Really? Huh. Yep. September the either 29th or 30th. Yeah. Yeah. So now I, and I know from last time we talked, I know obviously the, uh, Ohio's ago, you got camp out there. PA's ago, your, your home state, West Virginia, you, you gain access to, to that piece. How was that? How did that work out for you? Cause I know when we, the last time we chatted on the podcast with that, it was, mm-hmm. you're like, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure I'll, I'll be hunting it this year. I have to go check it out. I know you said it, it turned out looking good. Is that in the cards this year or is it, I'm, I'm going to scout it. I'm going to learn it. And then maybe next year, what's, what's your game plan for that? Yeah. So I definitely, um, Pennsylvania and Ohio are like my top priority list and I definitely want to make it to West Virginia and I would say we will. Um, but I think, uh, year one, uh, most likely we'll probably go down in like a gun setting where we could have an opportunity at a bear or a deer. Mm. And then, uh, that'll give me an opportunity to kind of like do some, some sneaking and, um, just get to learn a lot more about the property that way. Yeah. I like that. It's really steep and, uh, it was actually so steep that a lot of the really good uh, setups is just on those micro benches and then like where the points wrap around or you get two features that meet each other uh, and the uh, old two tracks, the old log roads, when you get like five or six of those that meet at one spot, those seem, that seems to be the ticket in, in that setting. Nice. Nice. So, all right. First, first, uh, First weekend of, or the last weekend of, of September, we're, we're getting into October then for PA. And I know uh, you just said PA and Ohio are, are your, your one and twos. What, what's, what's your game plan, man, this year? What's, what, what, uh, what are you using from, from your, all your scouting to the game plan and, and uh, what are you coming up with? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, that I'm, I'm a, big scrape fan and as of right now that's that's uh pretty much set in stone going to be the tactic uh uh, i think i I might set out on the ohio opener um this year i i got some i got some pretty good stuff happening for me here in pennsylvania i'm excited about and um i got i got a week off in in october that i'll I'll probably head down to to ohio and and hunt some scrapes i'm probably gonna hunt from like the 14th until the 22nd so Okay. That'll give me a good chunk to uh, to get some hunts in Ohio. But as far as right now, dude, like like this weekend, I have some cameras here in PA that are really high end, important cameras to me. They've been soaking since June. They're on two specific scrapes that are. I just know that that those are the ones, and I knew I needed to leave them alone. I'm probably going to tiptoe in this weekend. Um, 
I'm not sure exactly how I'm going to do it yet because I'm kind of funny about it because I know that's where I need to be, but I also need to know which one this deer is using mm-hmm. or frequency. So I, so I know which one is the better of the two and where I need to spend my time. But, uh, I'm thinking I'm probably, I've never done this before. I'm probably going to wash my clothes, even though that I like when I'm hunting, I'm not super worried about my scent because I'm going to be set up, set up in a way to where a deer shouldn't be able to crack me. Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to wear some fresh clothes. I'm probably going to hike in on my hikers. And then before I get off the beaten trail, I'm going to put some rubbers on. I might spray down. I'm going to use a Creek that sneak up. I've already trimmed a little path uh, early in the year where I can get up to where these cameras are and I'm going to change the batteries. I'm going to pop the card out, change it. And I'm going to get out of there. I'm not going to check them at the camera or nothing. I want to spend the least amount of time possible. And then <clears throat> I think that's going to give me uh, hopefully some good information, man. That's, that's be, that would be uh June 6th is when I put these cameras up. So it's going to be almost three months worth mm-hmm. of Intel. Mm-hmm. And, uh, leading up to, up to June, these, these scrapes were getting just absolutely hammered in, in May and June by these deer. So I'm super excited to get those card pools. Um, and on top of that, you know, I'm going to Maryland this weekend. I'm going to freshen up, uh, that scrape I made on that log road. Uh, that was a really sweet setup too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had that set up on a beach and I got a vine hanging from it and I've ate, um, all grubs the whole way around it, so it was real visual yep. based. That way, anything coming out on the log road or above the log road, they see that visually. So I'll probably freshen up those um, uh, mock grubs too, and specifically because I've been getting some hardhorn pictures now. And you better bet if there is a bachelor group of two and three year olds, they're going to be rubbing everything in sight right now. Yep. So I think that plays a role in that uh, this time of year. I think some mock grubs could really could really play big because those deer are making that sign now. So let me ask you this, because someone might be, might be thinking it. Um, You've been able to get deer all year round, basically. Now, is this, would you say that's because of like the, where, where you're hunting, like these spots, you know what I mean? Like, cause I know in in a sense of certain people are, are going to might say like, man, what about that shift? Right about what about that rut shift? Like when, like what deer are staying, what deer are leaving? Um, you know, and and these game plans for you, man. It sounds like you're it, why you're getting after it early. Uh, is is that kind of mm-hmm. is that the reason one getting after it early, and then two, you know, does your area hold a good amount of of deer? Because you know, certain spots you hear like there's not a lot of deer. There's I do trust me, I do know there's, there's that shift because I see it at home, right? Like I will, mm-hmm. I, Northeast PA where the mountain that I specifically hunt there, I'll get very minimal bucks. And then there's that, I'll get a wave in August on my cell cameras. And I, at the moment, I only have three, three cell cameras, um, going and two of them are my dad's and one of them's mine. So those are out and man, I'll tell you what it is. It's I'll get that occasional buck here and there early on during throughout the year. And then it goes away and man, I might see him once in June, a couple handful of times in, in July, August, mm-hmm. I'll get him plus a handful of other ones and they're coming through and, and they're, they're awesome to see. And then mid September, it blows up. 
like that's when I get really excited. So like yeah. these, these next couple weeks are when I really get fired up. You know, are you worried about that shift or is that mainly why you're going after the early season? That's already all part of the plan, man. Yeah. And that's, uh, it's super depending. Uh, yeah. so Maryland, there's, there's a buck there that I had on camera last year and this buck was there every single day. And then two days before season, he disappeared. Well, I take that back. I think, I think about this time he disappeared. It was right around a week before season he disappeared, but he's still there every single day. And I think the difference is, is there's acorns. There's no whites in that clear cut this year. It's all reds. And I think that's making him make different decisions than last year. I think there were so many whites. I think he was somewhere else on a hot oak tree that I, I just hadn't located yet. Yeah. And, um, with the clear cut being high priority food for him, the brows and then the reds falling and these storms we've been having blowing his acorns off early. I know they're, they're eating on this a little bit. Uh, I think he's sticking around, but as far as uh, Pennsylvania, like the, the spot that I'm in, man, I already have that, that, that shift anticipated. And actually the two cameras that I'm going to check uh, that I put up in June are actually two cameras on scrapes. What I believe is his fall range. That's a half mile away from where I've been getting him at. Uh, and I'll, I'll call it his summer range where he's been spending a bunch of time at. And uh, yeah, I, I think that's kind of a rule of thumb for me. I think a half a mile, like I feel like they just shift. Mm-hmm. It could be in a direction. So I would say if somebody was getting a deer on camera in the summer and it disappeared, I would keep your cameras there or a camera on the best scrape in that spot and just let it monitor because you never know when that deer's going to pop back in to visit. Yeah. And sometimes when they visit, it's going to be for like one or two days and then they're going to, you know, off again, you know, that's, yeah. that's a pretty common thing, but I would be looking on the map. What is the best terrain feature? What has the most things that make sense? And why would a big buck want to be there? Look in every direction about a half a mile. And that's where I would start. If there's some kind of big piece of bedding, you know, cover and there's a better food source. And really that's what it comes down to. I think they shift the food source just yeah. a little bit. And then they just, you know, they make that shift. And I don't think see the some bucks it might be right. some, I've heard of people having deer on camera in the summer and they shift five miles. But that's not that common. That's right. usually half a mile, three quarters of a mile. And you know, it, it takes some historical data for that stuff too. You know, that's not just a, you're going to walk into this season. You got this buck on camera in August, he's gone in September, where'd he go? It might take you till next season to figure that out, you know, because you yeah. have to put your boot, you might be able to catch up with him this season, but it, that takes time. That takes time out of your, your hunting time, your hunting time, you know what I mean? Yeah. I think it would have to be a pretty special deer for me to drop everything, like this deer disappeared, I got to start scouting a half mile in every direction. Right. You know, it just takes a lot of time, so. Yep. And, I mean, you, you know this, I've talked to other guys about this before, dude. This is, uh, this is a marathon. Yeah, you're not going to figure it all out in one season. Electrify, escape, and expand. With PWR, nothing will hold you back from finding adventure on your own terms. Forge your own path to places others can't reach by car, by foot, or using analog equipment. Electrify your adventure with PWR's unique e-powered adventure tools that are just as fun to ride as they are practical. Escape the ordinary methods of enjoying the outdoors that take you to the same old spots it seems everyone ends up. Expand your playground, push beyond your old limitations, and find a new comfort zone. 
Check out the brand new Rome scooter that comes equipped with four inch wide, heavily treaded tires for maximum grip over loose and aggressive terrain. The 24 inch front wheel diameter makes easy work of rolling over roots, rocks, and other low obstacles in your path. Use code ANTLERUP750 for $750 off or ANTLERUP25 to save 25% off the site, excluding the Rome. So check out ridepwr.com and prepare for your next adventure. Yep. Here's here's another question to go back to about, you know, you have another camera. You know, he might be hitting that summer range camera and then a half mile to another mile away is another good scrape camera where you anticipate because of the way things lined up. How many pictures does it take you to be like, okay, I know he, he like, if he just checked it randomly, like end of August, like if the first time, like you have them all on camera A, which is your his summer range and camera B is where you think he'll be in fall. You know, if he's, if he's on camera B two times, you know he's going to end up, say you check it, I don't know, this weekend, like you said. If he's on there two to two plus times, you know he'll be coming back at some point in the fall. Once it comes time that, that they're dedicated to those scrapes, I, I know that one of those two is going to be it. Yep. Um, just the way they set up, man, it's just you got that gut feeling. You, you've yep. seen it. Um, probably if I had to make an assessment right now without actually going to check that camera just yet, I know what scrapes he's been in in the summer range. I know where he's betting at. Uh, and I say that confidently. I actually had a uh, morning. Uh, so I went over and I wanted to win map my access. Tell me how many guys do that. Mm-hmm. Not very many. Mm-hmm. I wanted to win map the entire way. I wanted, I wanted to go in in the daylight in the morning, a relevant situation to how I'm going to hunt it. On a regular wind day, if there would have been a storm coming through and an east wind coming, I probably wouldn't have went that day because that's going to give you a false reading. Right. I went in on a regular west wind day, checked my wind the entire way in, and as soon as I got to that camera and pulled the SD card, that buck was there an hour before I was. I got on that buck's track, and that's great. And I followed that deer's track in that trail clear to the cut where that deer's bedding at. And after I looked at it on the map, it made a complete sense why that deer's there so i know where he's betting at i have uh trees picked out uh acorn trees right off of his bedding for evening sit i got sets uh set up on the scrapes for in the mornings and i would say what's going to happen is if i check this camera and spot we'll say call it b his fall range if i just have a couple pictures i know he's starting to trickle that direction a little bit um, I would say I probably wouldn't hunt the full range scrape unless he's been on it consistent, consistent, consistent. That gives me complete confirmation of what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Now there's two cameras there. If one camera is better than the other, obviously I'm going to pick the better, the better scrape, uh, the better camera that has the most pictures of him. But if it's just one or two times, I'm probably going to dabble and hunt the summer area right off the bat. Like the first couple of days of season. Yeah. Cause you still have that chance where I've, I've killed deer like this too. I've killed deer on their summer pattern still that those first maybe four days of season. Then I'm probably going to dabble on that summer end first. And cause there's two SD cards that I haven't checked. I'm not going to check until I go to hunt because the access is real good. I can come right up to the tree, right. hunt that camera, check those. And then if that camera says, Hey, he hasn't been here. Well, then I'm going to start tripling back over towards the fall range. That's perfect. 
perfect, perfect scenarios too, man. So Ohio's looking like your favorite time of the year uh, when it gets to be scrape week. It's scrape season. (laughs) So, man, how does that, what, like, because we hear that all the time right now, like a lot, I know it's, it's not a, a new coin thing and, uh, you know, get on the freshest of fresh, but the one aspect, since you really, really honed in on this the last couple of years, as far as scrapes and learning them and how you're the deer that you're getting on camera, their, their behavior with them. And I know we've talked and you're one of the one individuals that really shared and where you're walking by certain ones, like, you know, okay, uh, thanks, but there's there, I know there's something, there's gotta be something better, right? Like that's the one aspect mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed and, and listening to you talk about was that. So scrape week, Ohio, what, um, let's, let's hear it. Yeah. So I have, um, let's see one, two, three, four, I think I have four really solid scrapes uh, in Ohio that I'm wiring right now. Okay. And uh, the last time I was there, I, ch- I checked a, a SD card camera, and I had a really, really good looking eight point. Uh, the buck that I definitely couldn't pass. He's probably in mid thirties, eight point. Um, and then we, we got a couple big ones on camera. Um, the one is in a situation where we he he probably there's really no scrape relevant mm-hmm. to this deer's pattern. Um, I'll just use terrain. Uh, well, two tracks is probably what I'll be hunting, uh, hunting to, kill, to try to kill that deer. But yeah, the time frame, the time frame will be the 14th to the 22nd, I would say, is when I'll be in Ohio for sure. Uh, I'm going to be uh, modern the cameras and, and trying to catch that first big one to make his uh, his first, first mistake. So... Catch him and I know there's, um, I'm not trying to, not trying to cut dry on you. I'm trying to think of uh, all the details. Yeah. Yeah. There's one scrape that, uh, the last three seasons have been really good mm-hmm. and I had really, really high hopes for this scrape this year. Yeah. And I think I still do, but I really just don't think they start to hit that until September. And I got the first good one on camera the other day. He come through. That camera's been there a while so, since like May. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this then. I and, and that's totally fine. What what challenges have you gone through with hunting scrapes? Right. Like, what were some of those first couple times hunting it where you're like, damn. I thought this should have worked, right? You know, because there were times that I've done that. Uh, heck, even last year, oh, man, I've gotten bucks hitting this every time of the day. It didn't matter if it was 6.35 in the morning, 8 o'clock in the morning, you name the time, 1 o'clock p.m., 12, 12. Mm-hmm. Like, it was just the most utilized, random-ass time. You just needed to be in there, right? And then, obviously, your, yeah. your wind line up at the right time. And I've had some really good encounters. And then there was like an evening where I was just baffled that I, I thought, quote unquote, my win was right. I don't know. Maybe maybe I was just set up wrong. I, I'm, I'm just not sure. And it, everything was fresh, Chris. Like, I mean, you smelt it. I mean, sign. it was littered with sign, Scra- scrapes, uh, r- rubs, like fresh rubs. What are some of the challenges that you think you still encounter with 
hunting that type of style of with the scrapes? Uh, the biggest learning curve for me was realizing that the best scrapes are in the best locations for a particular reason. And at a season to season, that's not, not every single scrape is going to be fire hot every year. And that is because, um, there, there's a lot of things that, that can determine that this uh, food source, food sources change. Um, the uh, amount of bucks in that area, if a lot of deer got killed in that area. Yeah. Uh, and the same with does, if there's a doe group that is living, you know, maybe just four or five does that live really adjacent to that scrape. If those does get murdered in rifle season, there ain't going to be no does there. So that's probably going to hurt that scrape a lot. And, uh, one thing that is, uh, really important is you guys need to realize that these big scrapes and not, necessarily the size of the, the, the scrape on the ground, the licking branch, if you're on a licking branch and this is completely murdered, it is because those deer come to that spot for a particular reason. And it's probably because they're catching a lot of wind there, a lot of thermal. It's probably a spot where everything ends up at that spot. Yeah. One aspect of a game plan that I'm, planning on trying to initiate this year is that if I start getting multiple days of does hammering a scrape in that time frame, and that next day that I could hunt where it's like been two, three days of maybe a buck here and there shows up obviously, but trying to figure out the timing, like if it's only a nighttime, but does are hitting it during the day and all that type of stuff for multiple days. Uh, you got to believe that next time that I could hunt, and it, the weather aligns up with it and, and all that type of stuff, man, that is the spot where I'm going to go. You have a lot of cameras. You're observing a lot of scrapes. You know, there's going to be even times where these bucks aren't on your camera, but they're still in that area checking. Mm -hmm. What's some of the behavior that you've noticed with some of these deer, like with the scrapes, as far as that goes, like, do you have you, do you set another camera up nearby, like near a trail? So I think this goes along with um, what your expectations are. I think that if you are just trying to kill a buck, mm -hmm. if you're just trying to kill just a nice buck, you know, that that could be anywhere from a one and a half to a, a three-year-old. Right. I would probably be sitting right on the scrape. Okay. Because a lot of times those are the bucks that are going to come and they're going to put their face in it. They're going to get excited. They're going to work the crap out of it. But there is a certain time in the season where I'm not going to be sitting on that scrape. I'm probably going to be looking for a faint trail and I'm always going to be downwind. Some situations you can be um, in a spot where you can shoot the scrape and be downwind. Uh, other times you'll be 50, 60 yards downwind from it. And you just find that real random, uh, not a lot of sign faint trail that kind of curves around the bottom side of that. And that's where your four and five year old deer uh, if it's the right spot and there's enough cover and they're comfortable, that's where they're going to come through to, to check that. I like that. All right. So here's what I want you to come up with. Give me Chris's top three must do's when it comes to hunting scrapes or even don'ts. I think, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We've done plenty of those. In yeah, the past. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. So I would think probably the top three things that I'm going to look at through my own eyes for myself uh, this season 
two two major things right off the bat, and you can't go without these, is your access and being downwind. Um, and then I think the third thing is is don't don't mess with. In my opinion, don't mess with that scrape. Mm-hmm. Um, I think too many guys are bad for getting a picture of a big buck, and they're like, "Holy shit." I have to do something to keep this deer coming. I'm going to go to Walmart and I'm going to buy some wildlife research active scrape and I'm going to dump eight ounces of it into this and make a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> and I just think that's a terrible idea. I think I've, I've been so guilty of that in the past that I had the same mindset. And ever since I've changed my mindset, I've had my, my success has been tenfold. Yeah. You know, um, I would buy just any scent that on the back, it said, yeah, works all year long, and it, it produces results. And I dump the whole bottle in, and the deer stop hitting it. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think guys get too intense with trying to make their luck using something, I guess, out of the box. They want to use something fake to try to make their luck. Yeah. I guess is the best way I can explain it. I think if, if that deer is hitting that already, Nine chances out of ten, I get you get ninety five percent more pictures of deer using a licking branch rather than pissing in the scrape. One hundred percent. That scent is already in that dirt. Those deer do piss in that, and once it, once it's there, it's there, and they know it. They can smell it. The licking branch is the most important part of the scrape. And if that deer is already coming in and hitting that by himself, his scent is already on there. And what's going to make him keep coming back is other deer hitting that. If another buck comes in and hits that, that's going to make that deer mad. He's going to want to mark it over the top of it. So if that deer's already hitting that scrape, just leave it alone, be downwind, and make sure your access is clean, and put a couple of days into that set, and your odds are going to go way, way up. If you're in the market for finding a new trail camera, I highly encourage you to look no further than Exodus. Exodus has two main options to choose from as far as cameras go. A budget-friendly option that doesn't compromise quality. The Exodus rival is the camera for you. Simplicity meets functionality in this easy-to-use, feature-rich cell camera. The rival offers crystal clear photo quality, easy setup and use with complete remote management through the app anywhere in the world. Two already are set up in Northeastern PA for me, and they're working flawlessly. And if you're looking for an all-encompassing cell camera, seriously, look no further than the Render. It's their flagship camera. It stood the test of time for thousands of hunters across the country. I have one deployed here locally where I live and another one I'm saving for back in Northeastern PA. Again, zero issues. And I'll tell you what, Exodus stands by their five-year warranty for accidents or for theft top of the line customer service so see for yourself why so many made the switch to exodus and experience the exodus difference use code au to get 15 percent off your first camera today it's so funny because it's so, such a basic answer right like just leave it alone but it's the number one aspect and i know this isn't a talking about scrape but i've watched recently uh rip and stick dude from from pa he always puts out some pretty funny videos that will randomly pop up on my youtube thing and he did one where it was like deer mineral on his property and he like went to tractor supply bought like eight different brands and he was like let's see who wins let's see what the deer liked the most and he ran a camera on video and he does it for like a week to see so he did it on mineral and he did it on like blocks like two different two different videos and man, it is fascinating. 
I, I say it fascinating, like, but like, it's just so interesting to see how freaking cautious certain deer are, especially bucks. And when you are doing these scrapes, it's the same thing applies. Like you said, if, if you got one and they take it over, well, that's it. It's done. You don't have to do any more work other than check your camera when you need to check your camera, right? You only need to hunt it. Yep. you plan on hunting it. You don't need to go over there, respray something or put something in the ground, anything along those lines. Um, that, like you said, though, some of my better scrapes are once I started doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And don't get me wrong. That, that stuff still runs through my mind. Mm-hmm. I was literally just thinking about that the other day. I said, man, I wonder if I could just put something in that to make it a little better. But the more I think about it, I'm like, man, like, why do, why do I need to, yep. you know what I mean? And I think the, the thing is for me is anything you buy over the counter, man, you just don't know no. what's in the bottle. Yeah. They advertise whatever they want to advertise, but you're not there when they pour that shit into the bottle. Yep. And I just, I don't want to hurt my, you know, I've done all this boot work, put all these miles on, sweat my ass off and did all this work why would I ruin my setup with some synthetic smelly freaking scent? You yep. know what I mean? Yep. Yeah, no doubt. So when it gets that, like, okay, let's talk PA. Let's just say early season didn't work out for you. Um, and you went to Ohio, Ohio was a success or, or not a success. And it's, it's now that main pre rut time. Like now we're 23 through, through Halloween for Pennsylvania that is, I think, you know, what we all dream about as PA bow hunters. I mean, just bow mm-hmm. hunters in, in general, I, I'm, I can generalize, but obviously here in PA, and I think over the last two, two years, that's what I look forward to most, man. Like once that one, when, when it hits two zero, okay, these are my prime days that I know I need to be in the woods. And like the mistakes that I've made prior to the past couple of years was not necessarily scouting as much as I should have. Uh, to figure out what is the hottest, you know, scrape locations and, mm-hmm. and, and finding that sign and everything like that. And that's where last year, I think I did a pretty good job of, of that and we'll hopefully continue to grow with that. So does anything outside the box happen for you during this time frame, or are you sticking true to, to the plan? Um, so I actually have, I talked to him on the phone last night. I have all this stuff written down that I, I definitely don't think that we should overlook. We can hit it at the end if you want. Yep. Or I could start now and then hit you up on your question when I get there. That's up to you. Yeah, go for it. Okay, so if uh, we'll just jump. I'll just like kind of generalize, go over. Yeah. We'll jump back to, we'll just say September 30th is the opener. Yep. So basically I sat down and I wrote all these notes and I thought to myself, where on, on these dates specifically, where am I going to be at on this block? This I basically set it up in stages, yeah. right? Yep. So September 30th, let's say that's the opener. And I'm going to run that until about the 10th or the 13th of October is where I'm going to put this block at. And all this, this scrape, the scrapes that I'm going to be hunting are going to be in junction with food and bedding. Okay. Yeah. That early season gets them coming off their beds. They're going to hit that scrape probably before they, they get down into their feeding. Yep. Um, scrapes off of buck bedding. You know I mean? That's the typical, uh, doesn't have to be like a hub system style, but you know, thick cover close to, and then your best scenario in early season is 
finding a scrape that multiple bucks are competing over. Mm. That's the best scenario to be in. If you have betting uh, in several different directions, you know, you're, you're going to have uh, different betting opportunities for these bucks to come in and they're going to be competing over it. And I've actually heard Dan Impulse say that, that same thing, that he's killed a lot of his really big ones that way. Yep. And I, I think that does set true for sure yep. in certain situations. Um, and then we'll say October 14th through the 31st. And this is just a generalization. Yep. Um, scrapes around doe bedding. Scrapes that you get frequent doe pictures on. And then that leads back to historical data also. If you have cameras on scrapes in that time period that a certain buck starts to show back up on, then that's probably where you need to be at, having that historical data. Yeah. And really, you're just looking at 14th through the 31st. You're just looking for that buck to make his first mistake. Yeah. And then we'll jump back. If you're hunting a specific buck, I jump the dates back from the 14th through the 21st. Okay. And this kind of goes along with what you said about on the 20th. Yep. And that that time period is when I would be hunting a specific buck close to an area where you know he's still betting at. This is yeah. before they start to meander and, and wander long distances. You know, you could still have that chance to catch him coming to a scrape off his bedding. And then obviously this goes back to historical data. If you have history of a scrape that fires up in this time period, this, these couple of days, that's probably where I want to be at. Yeah. And then I'm going to say probably I tried to pick a couple of days before November come to I'll say, um, figure out when I'm going to start hunting off the scrapes. So up until this point from the beginning of season until about the 25th, 26th, I'm probably going to be hunting on the scrape. Okay. And I think about the 28th through the 31st, I think is when I'm going to start backing off. That's when, because I've seen too many mature bucks start to show up in that time frame around October. And they're not hitting. And if they're going to move in the, What's that? They're they're they might come to that scrape, but they might be the ones that are checking downwind, letting letting Junior go hitting that scrape. Yep, yep, yep. I've seen too many bucks, mature bucks. They they come to the scrape at night, like in the middle of the night. They'll show up in a new area where there's uh, a doe group. Maybe that buck spent his time there in the summer. He knows that scrape. He moved away for the fall, oh. and now he's coming back in just to check up on those does. But if he moves back in the daylight. He's probably going to be on the downwind side of that. And this this depends too. So that's Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania, he's probably going to be on the low on the low side. And I say that because of the pressure aspect. Now, if I'm in Ohio, there's a lot higher chance in Ohio that I'm still going to be on the scrape up until the 31st. Okay. Because I think those deer are just a little more aggressive. And I don't see the pressure out there is super, super hard. I just think the deer act, they don't act like Midwestern deer, but they act a little more like a deer should than Pennsylvania is what I'll say. (laughs) So a lot of times there's bucks in Ohio. I find will still come to the scrape up to that point. Then we get to uh, November 1st. And then, so our season only runs till what? The 13th or 14th or somewhere. Yes. uh, Might even be like, yeah, 15th or 16th, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I ran this um, from November 1st to the 21st. Okay. And I think 
and I put the 21st in there just because of the Ohio aspect. Mm-hmm. I have never hunted much later than this. I have had all my success mainly that I've killed seven or eight bucks the first week of season. I've killed all my biggest bucks except for one that first week of season or mid October. So <clears throat> if I was going to be hunting November from the first until the 21st, I think any scrape that you can get to clean and downwind of in the middle of doe bedding is a really good place to be. Yeah. And this, this specifically comes into play if you have data on doe groups that come in heat. When those does actually come in heat, dude, if, you, if it's after November, you have a scrape right beside a doe bedding area and you know that doe comes in heat in this three-day period, your ass better be on that scrape downwind of it right there. You better put it in three or four days. Because at some point, a buck is going to be coming in there and checking out before he J-hooks in there and tries to breed her. Yep. Like, I just, I think that is like the ultimate right there. If you're, if you're, you know, at fourth base, season's almost, you know, coming to an end, both season, you got, you got historical data. You see, you know, you see the buck just hightailing this doe the season before on the 10th of November. Uh, your ass better be sitting there from like the 8th to the 11th on a scrape downwind of it right beside those does. If you know that doe comes to eat then. Yeah. No doubt. I have little examples here that yeah. I didn't go over. Yeah. I mean, it's just, we could, like I said, we could talk for another hour and a half. Um, <laughs> an example, the November 1st, the 21st, and just an example that I had written down um, would be like a micro bench. Okay, so I, I missed one here. It's a scrapes in junction with doe bedding on a, on a certain terrain feature. Okay. So let's say a terrain feature, a, a buck is using to get from doe bedding A to doe bedding B, and he's using that to get from A to B so he can check both. It's like a micro bench on a west or north facing slope where the thermals pull downhill. Uh-huh. Yep. And, uh, and some kind of ditch crossing, or I've even seen where a, the flat side of a ridge actually comes to a point, and the point is where uh, two benches split and the benches start. Right there is a great place to be, man. I've killed. I killed three bucks in October. That's a different time frame, but I've killed with that certain terrain feature. I've killed three bucks in October seeing on a point like that. And these deer come across this this flat. And right when you get to that point, they either go left or they go right. So it's just right where that intersection is. That's a really good place to be. And then I have uh, a couple of days written down. And I have not seen this in person. I have seen it on camera. But I've other have had other guys from Ohio tell me this: that 16th through the 20th, the scrapes aren't going to be hot, mm-hmm. more than likely. But the 16th through the 20th, if a deer does show up to that scrape, it's probably going to be a big one, and it's because he's just looking for that last doe that's coming in heat. I've heard a, a multiple guys give me the 18th. Okay. That they've had really, really big deer. Like there was like hardly any other deer using that scrape, but then just randomly, like like around the 18th, a big one will show up and hit that. And he's just he's just looking and sneaking for that last doe. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I can't even count how many times in bear season that I have seen huge bucks just cruising. Yeah. And our archery season's done. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> but yeah, I've, I've killed. Uh, <clears throat> I was trying to do a head count. I don't know where all my stuff is at. I think I've killed six or seven bucks from 30th 
through the 13th. Mm-hmm. I've killed four or five from the 14th through the 31st. And then I've only killed maybe two in November. So all, all my deer get killed in October, mm-hmm. basically. That's phenomenal. Yep. That's, that's dude, that's very few. Uh, I mean, usually it's towards that end of October into, into November, November that mm-hmm. it bleeds. Um, that's freaking impressive. I killed my biggest one. I killed my biggest one ever in November, but technically in my head, I killed him on day one because I missed that year the first day of season. <laughs> in my head, I killed him there. Yep, right yep, there. You know what I mean? Uh, yep, yep. Scout game, guys. Yep, I like that. Yeah, that, that, deer, that deer was just like I had said about the, the, uh, the buck bedding. Mm-hmm. Uh, early season, man, he, uh, he was using a micro bench. He, he would use in the mornings to come in above the scrape, which was downwind because it was a west side and the, that place always has a breeze. He would come upwind or downwind, but he was above the scrape. And he would come in, and then in the afternoons, he would make his way down and touch that scrape up and head back out to feed. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I screwed up morning one, man. Had <laughs> <laughs> a sub 160-inch buck. Opening day of season at eight thirty in the morning. Walk by, I messed it up. <laughs> Dude, talk about. I mean, <clears throat> I mean, holy shit! First day, something along those lines that that big of a deer comes through. Talk about ready to uh, be ready to go. This, this deer coming. And this is this goes back to your woodsmanship and your gut feeling, dude. I was just talking to uh, the guys at the Timber Ninja event last weekend about this uh-huh. about using your gut. If I would have sat, if I would have sat in the tree that I picked first. I just smoked that deer at five yards. But instead, I'm like, man, I'm kind of worried he's going to come downwind of me or up the hill, so I'm just going to be careful and cautious and be up the hill more. Hey, he comes in, he's 40 yards now. Oh and I, I draw back, and I anchor dude, and I stop him. Deer has no idea what's going on in the world. I shoot, and I knew something was really bad when my arrow went six feet to the left. Like just completely out in the outer space. I'm like, what just happened? Yeah. <laughs> I was in my saddle and somehow the sidebar on my compound picked up my bow rope and my bow rope got caught in my stringing cam. Oh. <laughs> and it just, it just set my arrow in outer space. And that deer just stood there and looked around like, what just happened? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Tiny details killed deer. Yeah. I'd have killed that. Yeah. You know, Pull up your bow rope. If yep. I pulled up my bow rope, I'd have probably killed him. Yep. I missed another buck. I maybe a year or two before that. I was like a 140 inch 12 point. And you know what? My I, this year was 25 yards hitting straight. Right. I'm in full draw. I'm like, oh my god, this is happening. I put the pin on him. I'm floating, floating, squeezing, squeezing, pull it, and my arrow flies right over his back. I look up, and the one limb that I did not cut hit my top cam when I when I shot oh. semi air over top of his back. Oh. You know, <laughs> you but know. but dude, you're not the only one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's the beauty of these stories is because then yep. you know, people listen are like, man, yep, that that happened to me before. And it's I mean, you name it. It's it's happened. Dude, I've been shooting round bales for like seven months now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but you draw you draw an outline of a deer. So that's the you know what I mean? You're giving yourself that that yeah, at least that yeah. look you're not just shooting a circle you know and and like i said eight dollar can of spray paint man yep but that's giving you that visual that's all you need you know if you have that capability and that's what that in the grand yeah. scheme of things that's what i'm talking about is just 
give you that imagery of of what that animal uh, is and what you plan on shooting because it goes a long way. And and the other aspect that I love to do too is is shooting from obviously different yardages, but that whole different angles. Like okay, this is a quartering two shot. Mm-hmm. This is a quartering away shot. Um, you know, if you just get complacent on that whole waiting till broadside and all that stuff, you know, you're trust me, you, you'll you're going to thank yourself later when when that moments and you're like, yeah, it is the little things. Yep, yep, definitely. It's going to be a phenomenal year, man. You, you're like I said, you were all summer, all well. I shouldn't even say summer, man. You've been since the clock turned to 2023. You've been on them. And now it's time for the hunting season. I can't wait to see your success follow along. I'm sure everybody else listening is going to be doing the same. So Chris, where can people find you, follow along and see what you got going on? Yeah. Yeah. Everything is on my uh, Instagram, unleash the least. Uh, I post on there as much as I can. Uh, enough that uh, hopefully I don't annoy people rather than help them. <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, as soon as season starts, I'll try to post some stuff. Uh, I think I might be a little more quiet once I start hunting uh, just because I'm going to really try to to tune myself in and and be successful with the trad bow this year. So it's going to take a little, little more determination and uh, a lot more work, but yeah, I hope you guys follow along and, uh, and I appreciate everybody following my path. Hell yeah, dude. I appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and be ready for this scrape week when this stuff arrives and, Chris dropped some great, great, not only strategies, but stories to go along with it. Make sure you're following along and make sure you implement some of these tactics because like he said earlier, he's killed some bucks and he's killed them during this time frame. We'll see you next week. Antler up. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Antler Up podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. Please go check us out on our Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Go Wild and at antlerupoutdoors.com. If you enjoyed this episode, go leave a review and subscribe for next week's episode. Until then, Antler Up.